Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. Stand with me. I want you to open your Bible to the book of Hosea. And uh, for those those of you that don't know, if you're like uh, most people, you've never made it that far into the Bible. And uh, when you start looking for Hosea, you start having trouble as you're looking. And uh, if you were like me early on in my Christian walk, you just start looking. You can't find it. And you hear everyone else stop. You just stop somewhere. People don't know you're not in the right book. You just stopped. We didn't have, uh, you know, electronic Bibles on your phone where you had the ability to pull it up. And so... Um, this morning, I, I want to share with you just a real quick thing out of, out of Hosea. Uh, as you're turning to Hosea, and I, I'm going to kind of set this up a bit because it might take some of you a little while to find it that have real Bibles, um, uh, printed Bibles, I should say. Uh, Hosea is, is a prophet that, um, that God tells to go marry a prostitute. Let that sink in for a moment, okay? Obviously, she wasn't going to wear a white dress. He wanted her to go, him to go find a prostitute by the name of Gomer and marry her. So he was obedient to God, takes this woman, brings her to his home, takes her out of the filth of the world, takes her off the streets, provides a home for her, loves her, has three kids. And as a result of that, after celebrating and preparing this home, she leaves him. And she goes back into prostitution. And after she goes back into prostitution, God tells him, go buy her back. Again, go pay off the pimp and then bring her back into your home. I need you to understand something. I don't know about you, and I've told my wife I love you, but you cheat on me. We we removed divorce from our vocabulary, but not murder. But I want you to understand something. I I don't know how many men, it's a hard thing to get over. Infidelity is a tough thing. And those of you that have gone through it understand what I'm talking about. You know how hard it is to fight through those situations. But he tells tells uh, Hosea to marry her and to bring her back in. And then during this process, Hosea is like, God, why, why is she doing this? Why are we back in this situation? And what God is doing is painting a picture between Israel... In him, he's saying the same way I took Israel off the street and I married her and I took her off the, I I took her away from all her lovers and I provided a home for her. She left me the same way Gomer did to Hosea. But I want you to understand what happens here. He tells her, go buy her back again. Jesus did the same thing for Israel and for the church where he went and bought back what was his all over again. He paid the price on the cross to reestablish that relationship. And this is where Hosea asked God, why is this happening? Look what God says in Hosea chapter 4, starting in verse 6. 
my people. If you're God's people this morning, say amen. Amen. My people are destroyed, not, not messed up, not hurt, not dying slowly. My people are destroyed, annihilated, totally destruction. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not lack of prayer. Not lack of services. Not lack of songs. Not lack of preaching. Lack of... Lack of... Lack of knowledge. Look what he says as he goes on. Because you have rejected knowledge. That's one thing. It's one thing to be ignorant because you don't know. It's another thing to be ignorant because you made a choice to be. See... Listen, I'm not not looking to go off on you this morning or the body, but I need you to understand. I think it's not that we don't love God. It's just that we love ourselves more. We love our sin too much that it's hard to break. We love our other lovers more than we love God. And so we reject the truth because how many of you know as a Christian, it takes more drunk. It takes a little more drink to get that buzz that you had before when you know God. It takes a little more to get you a little buzz to get, to, to get away from that knowledge that you, once you step into God and then you try to go back into the world, it's harder to get that buzz you got before because you're feeling guilty. My uncle used to preach to people when he got drunk. He'd be at the, he'd be at the bar. Oh, y'all got y'all to gotta get saved. Jesus, he'd be holding revivals at the bar. Be, you shouldn't be here anymore. You shouldn't be, and he'd be leading people to the Lord at the bar. That's not a ministry to start. I also reject you from being priest for me. In other words, you lose your dominion. You lose your purpose. No longer do you be in that place of rulership. You lose your place when you reject knowledge. Ow. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget. I will also forget. Pray with me. Father, help. In Jesus' name, amen. I need you to understand something. The, the picture between Hosea and Gomer is so, such a powerful illustration because the Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ. Let me try this side. The Bible refers the picture of the church as the bride of Christ. Amen? I was right. It, it's not, it, it's not, and I want you to grab a hold. He doesn't call the church a hymn. He calls it a her. Because God, and listen, whether you're offended or not, that's, God, that's why God estab- doesn't establish same-sex marriage. Because God's a him. And he's marrying the church. Now, I believe that, 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 that any kind, listen closely, okay? Any kind of discrimination is wrong. We shouldn't discriminate against any people group whatsoever. Discrimination, they should have rights, but don't call it marriage. Because marriage was created by God. 
It was a be, to be a picture of his union between mankind and him. And so call it perriage, call it carriage, call it rarage, call it whatever you want. But don't take what my God created to be a picture between me and him and try to say that that is a right. It's not a right. I'm going to step off the soapbox right now, okay? I'm telling you. And what we do is we keep on that. That's what the danger is. It has nothing to do with 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 just equal rights. We shouldn't discriminate against anyone. Discrimination is wrong. Wrong. But just don't call it marriage. Create another thing. Got quiet in here. But God calls us the bride of Christ. And so I have a problem with something. If we are the bride of Christ, then we got either a bad groom or a messed up relationship. Because as me and my wife, if I was living on the hill in a mansion and she was living in a homeless shelter, what kind of groom am I? If I'm going out to eat at Ruth's Chris. And she's standing on the corner panhandling. What kind of husband am I? If she's sick and she can't visit a doctor, and yet I got a live-in doctor at my place, what kind of husband am I? Anyone hearing what I'm saying? I'm going somewhere with this, okay? We are called the, body, we are called the bride of Christ. We are his, we are his, his wife. He, we are the bride. We're going to marry him. But while he's living in heaven, while he has on streets of gold mansions, while he has the best health, health care system, why is it the church is dying? Why are they poor? Why are they struggling? Why are they dealing with depression? Why are those things going on? There's something wrong with this picture. So either he's a bad groom... It's a disconnect here. Either he's a bad groom and a groom that would die for you, be stretched between heaven and earth, mocked, beaten, and attached to a cross, spat upon, called down, and, and brutalized to give his life up for us as a ransom to buy us back again like Hosea did to Gomer, and yet is he a bad groom? Because there's a disconnect between what the bride is living and what the groom promises, there is something, the gap, there's something wrong with the gap. Either he's missing something or we're missing something. And so Isaiah says in chapter 5, verse 13, Therefore my people have gone into captivity. Everyone say captivity. captivity. Into bondage. You know, where do addictions come from? Where do struggles come from? They, where, 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 he says, therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Not prayer. Not church services. Not speak in tongues. Not prophesy to one another. Not have a better worship band. They, they go into captivity because of lack of knowledge. Oh, you ain't hearing me this morning. I, see, 
What I'm trying to do is break some bondages in your life. What I'm trying to do is release you to another level. And if you could grab a hold of this and break out of your mentality, we can get to new levels in our walk with God. Let me explain it to you this way. Whatever area of your life you are being destroyed in right now, it's because of lack of knowledge. What I'm telling you, it's because of ignorance, which means if you are failing as a husband or a wife, then there's a problem in your area of wisdom. Well, we're always fighting, Pastor. We're always struggling. I don't need to pray over a broken marriage. You need to get some knowledge and stop being ignorant on how to treat a woman or how to treat a man. If you're, if you're struggling in finances, I'm not going to pray over your finances. You need to read a book or get some information. Break that ignorance in the area of finances to begin to walk in freedom. Oh, somebody got to hear me this morning. If you're going to break the struggle that you're having in relationships and friendships, how come all my friendships break down? Maybe it's because you don't know how to be a friend. So you need a book. That teaches you how to be friendly. The Bible says, he who wants friends must show himself friendly. They're principles. You know, well, it's like this. We got individuals that, that pull this number. God, I want you, I, I want, man, God, I want corn. God, just bless my backyard with corn this year. Let corn grow. Lord, let corn grow. And we start praying over the ground. And we start declaring over the ground. And then you start speaking in tongues over the ground. Then you start dancing over the ground. And then you start throwing holy water on the ground. And you do all this stuff on the ground. And no corn comes. And you get mad at the groom. Where's the corn? I prayed it. I believed it. I danced over it. I poured holy water over it, and there's no corn. And the groom's saying, you didn't plant no seed. And we get mad at God for things not coming about because you haven't planted the seed yet. Ignorance. God bless my finances, but you ain't giving. Ignorance. Bless my marriage, but you ain't treating your wife well. Ignorance. See, wives hitting their husbands right now. See? That's why I ain't listening to you, ignorant man. (laughs) So whatever area of your life you are being destroyed is an area of ignorance in your life. Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Everyone say darkness. Remember, darkness is lack of information or lack of knowledge or lack of revelation. And so that's why Satan leads his kingdom. The kingdom of darkness is led through ignorance. Satan gets power by what you don't know. So if you don't know you have a right to be free in a certain area, he has power in that area. That's why the Bible says, you know, faith, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... By the word of God. Remember in those days there was no Bible though. So where did the word come from? See many of us are thinking that if I listen to a sermon. That's going to set me free or take me to do a new level. No the Bible wasn't even written back then when this was, was said. So I need you to understand when it says that faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That's when the word when God himself speaks a word to your spirit. It's in your knower that I know that I know that I know that God spoke something to me. 
It goes beyond just the scripture. Let me take you somewhere on this thing this morning. So if you, you, I need you to understand that in order to get out of this, we got to recognize something. Our groom has given us principles to live by. And we need to recognize these principles if we're going to be free. So he says this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and live righteously, and all these things will be added unto you. That, that tells me something. See, before that, everything in the word is talking about, before that in chapter 6, they're talking about trying to get clothes, trying to get food, find a place to live, want the bling, want to get this, I want to get the new Jordans. Now, it doesn't say that, but that's what it's implying right here. I want, I want to eat, I need something to eat, I need food, I need, I need a place to stay. And so they're worried. And so what God is saying here, the world is seeking for things. Everyone is seeking. Everyone's after something. Everyone's trying to get theirs. And so we're running after things. We're, we're running after success, after significance, after things. If I can get another house, if I could get that Mercedes, if I could just get this, everything would be great. When I was a youngster, I thought if I get my vet, everything will be fine. And I saw vets everywhere. Everywhere I went, I saw vets, Corvettes. I was like, man, this is, and I wanted, I wanted a 76, ended up with, the, I ended up settling for an 82. And the lights didn't work, the seat was broken, it was hot, I mean, the air conditioning didn't work. One of the lights went up, the other one didn't. The whole thing shook when you drove down the road. But I wanted it so bad that I traded my great 4x4 red Toyota pickup for this black T-top lowered just rough-sounding Corvette. And I, I thought I was bad. Had the, I had the party in the back, you know, had the business in the front going on back in the day. That's when my wife fell in love with me. She liked the party and the business. And I thought if I had the car, everything would be great. I pushed that car more than I drove it. I'd be pushing it, and then I hear a car coming down the street. I'd stop. Coming home from Bible study one night, I'm driving. All of a sudden, my lights start going on and off, and the cab fills up with smoke. And I pull right up to my apartment. And when I pull into my apartment, I open the hood, and flames are coming out all over the place. I'm like freaking out. I'm watering it down and everything, and our whole electrical system just burnt up. I was seeking, going after so. If I could just get this, everything will be fine. Spent all kinds of money to get that thing put back together again. Sold it. And went and bought this. And I'm still pushing it. (laughs) Seek ye first. And so it implies going after something. But God's saying this. Let me tell you what you're going to seek. Seek the kingdom. If you're going to go after anything, go after my kingdom. And when he talks about the kingdom, follow me on this. He's saying don't go after just an abstract thing. Go after the king. Because when you go after the kingdom, you're finding out about the king. If you want to know about the kingdom, you got to find out about the king. 
So if I want to find out how England was run in the early 1800s, I got to go back to the king that ruled that, that sphere, how they operated. And so the goodness of a king was based on the condition of the servants. A kingdom was based on how good the king was on based on the condition of those that lived in the kingdom. That's why God wants you to be blessed. Because if you're not blessed, he don't look good. Somebody, you didn't catch that. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would be prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He said, when I get to know the king, when I find out that my king is love, then I have love to give. When I find out my king is holy, then I know that I should live separately. When I know that my king is is who he is. Listen, when I know my king, I find out about me. When I know my king, I find out that when I'm struggling, he's Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. When I'm sick, he's Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. When I'm falling back and I find myself in sin, he's Jehovah Zikanu, the God that is my righteousness. When you seek, you want the kingdom, you got to seek the king. You can't have the kingdom without the king. And you can't be part of his kingdom and sit on your throne. Some of y'all are trying to come in here and let him be Lord. See, Lord means ruler. In his kingdom, he owns everything. But you know what? I'm tired. I ain't going to stand up and worship with my feet. That ain't your feet. I ain't going to stand up and raise my hands. They ain't your hands. I'm not going to stand up and I'm not going to lift my voice. It ain't your voice. There ain't nothing you own on this earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness there. You know what? You're ignorant. You're ignorant. Let me take you, de- let me take you deeper. Okay, we, we got we to land this thing. All right. Check this out. Kingdom. What's kingdom mean? Kingdom is God's total solution to man's total problem. You want to know what the kingdom's all about? God is the, to- God is the kingdom is the total solution to man's total problem. So for every problem you have, kingdom is the answer. How do I know this? Look at Matthew chapter 11. Look what happens here. And so he says this. Jesus told them, go back and tell John. Tell him what you have heard and seen. In other words, this John, the same one that said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The same one that said this, said that, behold, the Lamb of God, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. This is the one. This is the one that's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. This same one that said, this is him. There's no one else. Is now locked up in prison. And now he's saying, did we miss it? Are you really the one? Now look what Jesus does. Jesus don't even defend himself. He walks away from John's disciples opens the eye of a blind person, raises up a lame person, removes leprosy from another person, comes over here, raises a dead person, comes over here, preaches the gospel to the poor, then comes back and says this, go tell John what you've seen, and you tell me if I'm the one. 
Jesus is the remedy to every situation that you're facing. He's the remedy to every problem, remedy to every disease, remedy to every struggle, remedy to every marriage, remedy to every addiction, the remedy to every situation that you face. He is the remedy. Kingdom. So follow me on this. See, in order to understand how things work in a kingdom, it's not about your opinion. Well, I think you should. I don't give a rip what you think. You're not the king. In the kingdom, we don't take votes. Well, I really don't think that. Who asked you? You get to live in the kingdom. And you get to obey. Because when you obey, you get Seek ye first the kingdom of God and live righteously in all these things. What things? The things everyone else is running after, you get for free in the kingdom. So let, let me, we, we can't ignore kingdom laws and expect to be blessed. You can't, you can't ignore the kingdom mandates. Start yelling out the ground and say, grow, when you haven't put anything in there. It's a kingdom principle. So, so where am I going? This is where we land the plane right now. Omi, if you would help me out. I want you to notice this. Number one, prayer. Prayer doesn't remove ignorance. Pastor, my marriage is falling apart. Would you pray for me? No. Look at you. You just got mad right now. All y'all got mad right now. I was just about to go ask you for that after church. My finances are messed up. Pastor, would you pray for my finances? No. Prayer doesn't remove ignorance. Prayer doesn't remove ignorance. I want want you to understand something, where, where, where I'm going with this. God used Peter, right? Peter walked with Jesus for three years. He he used him greatly on the day of Pentecost and filled him, spoke, and great things happened. But God used Paul more than he did Peter. Why? Because Paul was educated. The books that Peter wrote, it's been proven that Mark was the one that wrote them because Peter couldn't write. We limit how God can use us when we don't have the information or the knowledge to go along with the anointing. Oh, you ain't hearing me. All you want to do is talk about, let's pray. Let's have a service. Let's prophesy to one another. Let's jump. Let's shout. But listen, when you get done jumping, when you get done shouting, read a book. Pick up the word of God. Find the principles that are in the word. You need knowledge. Ignorance, prayer doesn't remove ignorance. Secondly, ignorance doesn't have to be permanent. You know, it might not be your fault where you're at right now, but it is your fault if you stay there. Amen? Might not be your fault where you're at right now, but it is your fault if you stay there. Well, someone did this to me. I understand that. But that happened three years ago, and you're still there. That happened a decade ago, and you're still there. 
I understood it hurt, but you know what? Now it's time to get up and let's move forward. Let's get over this. Ignorance doesn't have to be permanent. I need you to recognize something. Ignorance is a choice. It's not a condition. And too many times we, we think ignorance is a condition that we're in. Yeah, you know, I got ignorance. I caught ignorance. It's not something that you step in. It's not something that you catch. It's a choice. Ignorance is generational. Let me explain it to you this way. Have you noticed that one family that is poor has another generation that's poor? One generation that is in addiction has another generation that's in addiction and then another generation that's in addiction, then another. One generation is abusive and then the next generation is abusive and the next generation is abusive and it goes on. Why? Because ignorance is generational. We pass it on. Ignorance is transferable as well. We transfer it. Let me put it this way as we close. If you don't know nothing and you pass on all you know to your children, how much do they know now? Let me show you how to deal with problems. What are you doing? Passing it on to the next generation. Because it's transferable. And I've learned that I got to control how I deal with things as well. I don't want to transfer ignorance. In our household, there was only one way you dealt with problems. Turned up the level. Crank it up. I got to be careful because my mom listened and dad listened to every message that I preach. <laughs> They're wonderful people. I love you, mom. Love you, dad. But my mom used my dad as the tool of threat. Wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> I, I can't remember ever sitting down and talking about the issue. I can't remember ever pointing out, okay, this is what you did wrong. It was straight to this. It was, you know what? In our generation, what you call abuse, we call correction. We're so protective of kids nowadays in how we raise them. And, oh, don't do this. Don't do that. It's like, who's the parent here? My dad made me pick my switch. I remember back at Old Elim, Old Temple of Elim, here on, on Meri- not, not on Meridian, on um, well, Center Street, right here in San Jose. My, when I would act up in church, he would twist my arm, take me out to the back of the church, and we had a wood pile back there. And he would look around and say, okay, that one. So which one? That one, and they had all this, this, the branches and things like that laying there. And I would have to crawl through all of that stuff to pick up 
the, whip, the switch he wanted to carry it back to him to whip my butt. <laughs> and there were times that when I got over the pile, I was a foot or two away from the fence. And I thought, if I get over the fence, he'll never catch me. But I didn't know where I'd go after that. So I brought it back. And he would do the... He would try it out a few times in the air. And just that... You you knew the sound. Oh, that one's going to hurt. When it went... Uh, he, he ain't got the strength to swing that one. That, that's not enough. The, the wind's going to hold that one back. But when it went, whoosh, whoosh, that, that was going to hurt. And as soon as he started swinging, he wouldn't hit the butt because you start jumping. End up with lines on the back of your legs. And if you try to be strong and not cry. Or if you cried, stop crying. Stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. What are we doing here? What what, what are we, what this is the whole purpose. You're hitting me because when I don't cry, you hit me harder. And when I do cry, you tell me to shut up. We got to figure this out here. Because ignorance is transferable. And so I find myself when I'm disciplining my kids, doing that, that, that same idea is in my mind. But instead of whipping them, I use my voice. My kids are more afraid of my voice than they, they, Jazzy been spanked one time in her life. One time. And she knows that when I sit her down, I tell her this. She, she was schooling Jacqueline one time. Well, this is what's going to happen. Jacqueline came home from school. She was about six years old. And she came home from school scared to death because dad's going to talk to her. And Jazzy sat her down. Jazzy's about 11. She goes, okay, this is what's going to happen. Dad's going to say, I'm going to go work out. Okay, and when he goes and works out, you're going to sit in your room by yourself. And you're going to be waiting for him to come. The waiting is killer. (laughs) And then after he gets done working out, he's going to take a shower. Then he's going to come into the room, sit down next to you and say, okay, do you know what you did? He's going to talk to you. And you better know what you did wrong. You got to know. Don't just say, I'm sorry. You got to know what you did. And so once you know what you did, then you you tell him what you did. You you, you ask forgiveness, and then he's going to spank you. He's going to spank you. And cry. And so we come upstairs, and I'm dealing with Jacqueline. Right when I'm getting ready to give her a spanking, she turns around. She's all this stuff. I'm like, dang, that girl got a big butt. Don't remember that. And she had stuffed all kinds of other underwear and towels and stuff like that to make sure she had some cushion so she didn't hurt as bad. She was going to fake the cry, but she had some junk in the trunk going on. But ignorance is transferable. We, if, we don't, if we don't do things right, the next generation is going to be in the same poverty. They're going to be in the same sickness. They're going to be in the same marital issue. They're going to be in the same trial. we got to stop the ignorance. we got to stop it. And it's up to you. Because it's not about you. It's the generations that are in you. 
generations that are coming after you. Folks, that's why you got to get out of debt now. That's why you got to get your marriage right now. That's why you got to break free from addictions now. That's why you got to get healthy now. That's why you got to live right now. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease praying for you and ask that you may be filled with the, the, not the spirit. Why wouldn't they pray that we'd be filled with the spirit? Be filled with what? Jesus is the word. In the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You need knowledge, get Jesus. You need knowledge, you get the idea of what God thinks about that situation. Of all his will and all wisdom and the spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him and being fruitful. Come on, somebody. In every good work, increasing in the the knowledge of God. Strengthened with the all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. In other words, it's going to take some time. It's not going to happen. See, I remember when I was a kid, people would start having bad dreams. First thing my mom would do, she would come here me home. She would slide the Bible under my pillow. And somehow that was going to get rid of bad dreams. Somehow through osmosis, the word and gravity would just draw it through. And we live that way. We're looking for somehow for this. Oh, that's nasty. We're looking for somehow that, for, for the word just to somehow just make its way into us. It doesn't work that way. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all the patience and long suffering with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Verse 13. And he has delivered us. Oh, come on, somebody. He has delivered us from the powers of darkness. You don't have to be ignorant anymore. You can walk out of darkness conveyed into the kingdom of his son of love. I'm not just building a marriage. I'm building a legacy. Your marriage isn't just a marriage. It's a legacy you're building for generations. We're together because I don't believe in divorce. And I'll track her down. (laughs) We have a great friendship. And my mom and dad have exemplified 53 years of marriage. My wife and I are on 23. And I want my kid, I want to pass that to my kids. Marriage isn't easy, but you can make it. As long as God's in the middle of this, you're going to have the ability to do this. But you got to get knowledge. Our marriage improved when I started teaching married couples. All I did, used to do was teach youth. 
Once I started teaching married couples, I realized, oh, dang, you jacked up, dude. You should be doing this. You should be doing this and start apologizing. First married couples camp, I fell down before on my knees and apologized. Bow your heads with me. Father, we acknowledge right now your glory. Before you can know the kingdom, you got to know the king. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, you're here right now. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.